to welcome Hoosier fans to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 220th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 720th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of July 15th, 2021. I'm your host, Andy Bottoms. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. All right, well, not a lot of options for the banner moment this week, given a pretty slow news week for uh, IU basketball and, uh, and basketball in general. However, uh, I would say, and I don't know the the exact class on this, but IU had its first uh, potentially twenty class of twenty thirty five, maybe twenty thirty six recruit, uh, maybe twenty thirty four recruit uh, on campus as uh, Jordan Holes and his son, uh, I believe his son Jackson. Uh, there were some uh, video and pictures of of them at Cook Hall. Uh, Anthony Lill was there, kind of shooting in the background to one of them that I saw, and uh, you know Jordan, a guy that is is beloved in Bloomington, beloved by IU fans. And uh, has really carved out a successful career for himself overseas, but always uh, makes it back to Bloomington uh, at some point in the summer. And it was kind of cool. I think this was one of the first times at least to, you know, kind of see him with his son there watching things and being able to show him that and share that part of his uh, his story and his past with him was uh, was cool to see. I can only assume that... Uh, that the younger holes will be asked not to shoot three pointers until uh, later in his career, as Jordan has talked about, was really was really important for him of not uh, not forcing that. But I think we can also assume that he's probably going to be able to uh, to have a pretty sweet stroke. So uh, hopefully, you know, IU getting in early with him will pay dividends uh, sometime down the line in the next you know thirteen to, to fifteen years, uh, based on what his age is. But uh, cool moment there. Glad they captured that, and uh, that will be this week's banner moment. So with that, let me introduce my esteemed co-host for tonight. First, to my left. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember, fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's not Sony time. Coach, based on the comments you gave us in in our text about the uh, weather that's hitting Delphi right now, I'm I'm tempted to throw it to you as our resident meteorologist, but uh, I'll let you I'll let you get out whatever you want here before the uh, the thunderstorm the, the your yeah. standard Midwest uh, it, thunderstorm rolls through this evening there. Yeah, you get uh, 15 minutes out and you get a, a severe thunderstorm warning. You look out to the west and it's dark. Uh, at, you know at uh, at 8:30. Uh, it's going to be quite the night. So hopefully we can make it through, but, um, yeah, it, it's summer is just, uh, you know, plodding along slowly. Uh, we can tell with the shows, you know, we're trying to find stuff to, to talk about and we're all looking forward to, uh, to what's coming up. Uh, I'm not a big, uh, recruiting guy. I do, uh, appreciate reading about guys that Indiana's looking at just so I can get, um, a little bit of a flavor of, of who's out there and, and kind of what uh, coach Woodson and staff uh, are doing. Uh, and, and so that's been interesting to follow both on the community and, and in a, a variety of, of web pages. And then again, you get, you'll get little pieces of information. Uh, you get a, uh, a new game in, in December, UNC Asheville, I believe. And so the schedule's getting closer and closer to things that we can then start talking about, you know, um, 
get, you know, the predictions and things like that and tough games and, and strength of schedule. So it's just a, a lot is up in the air uh, with the program. And, and a lot of it is uh, still positive. And, you know, there are going to be some bumps in the road uh, as you go as, as uh, someone who has you in their top three decides to go elsewhere. And, and I just don't get too worked up about that uh, at, at this point because uh, everyone's figuring everything out. And it's just a, a lot of anxiety to get going. And I think the Bahamas – uh, practices and games are really going to help. Uh, the most important thing is the team, but also with us fans to have us uh, be able to focus on things that we want to see. All right. And to my left or right, whichever the opposite of whatever I said the first time. Analyzing players, finding every wrinkle. He hasn't ever hosted, never lifted a finger. He's got all the well, let me quickly add just one thing about this. Dude just interrupted his own jingle. All right, he is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, what's on your mind this week? Yeah, uh, you know there isn't a whole lot of, of basketball news to talk about, so uh, to keep it on the IU track, I, I've got two things I want to talk about. Uh, I'll, I'll do the first one on the IU track. Hey, if you're not if you're following basketball re- recruiting and there's not much going on right now, start following IU football recruiting because there's a lot of good news there. It'll make you feel really good about what's going on over on that side of it. So uh, I, I would say just go follow what's going on there. Uh, Tom Allen is is racking up high-level commits and and doing a great job uh, on that side of things while basketball is sort of still you know playing it out, figuring it out. Uh, and then the other thing I would say is there's some really good basketball going on right now. It's just not college basketball. The NBA Finals has been great so far, and last night was a f- Fantastic game. One of the best finals games I've seen in a long time. Game four, uh, where the Bucks came back to win. Giannis had, I wrote about it, the big lead, had a, you know, sort of sensational star making moment with that blocked alley oop at the rim, one of the cleanest, most perfect alley oop blocks I've ever seen. Uh, start checking it out. If you got nothing to do on a night when the finals is on, watch it. This is some pretty good basketball and it's two teams. I think a lot of people didn't think would be there and, and other teams got injured. They stayed healthy and and that's what we got, but the ring counts just the same. So um, really, really good final so far. Really interesting. And uh, yeah, if, if you, if you need something to cheer you up this summer while it's storming in Indiana, uh, go follow uh, football recruiting. It's, it's been really good and, and really impressive and the best we've seen in a long time. Can't believe you were uh, impressed by that block that uh, that you know genius Skip Bayless was not impressed with at all based on a, a tweet that I saw. Oh my so. god, that what guy! A, I mean, what an oh, it was I a lob. Yeah, if, like, if ever okay, there was a, a way to I, prove like you're just coming out just to say the opposite of what everybody else is, like that was a great moment there. As if everybody didn't know that about him before, but the, what just an yeah. idiotic statement that was. Go 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 to the big lead. Go to the NBA tab and just. Scan down. You'll find the thing I I, I did kind of like a, a step by step breakdown of that block, and it's unbelievable because Aiton is six eleven, seven feet, and he can jump, and he caught the ball above the square on the side and goes to put it down. And Giannis had like recovered from the free throw line and goes up almost blindly, jumps in and times it perfectly. Uh, it's just it's one of the coolest things defensively I've ever seen. And it was a two point game at that point, and that gave all the momentum to the Bucks, and they closed it out at home. But it was just one of those plays, and I and I compared it to sort of 
superstar. I mean, Giannis has won two MVPs, but I don't think anybody can point to one singular play he's had that's like, oh, that that's a superstar. He's just really good and he puts up great numbers and you know he's a great defender and all that. But like Michael Jordan had the shot. LeBron James had, you know, it was like game, I think it was game five of the Eastern Conference Finals in like 2007 where he scored 25 points in a row against the Pistons. You know, I mean, like everybody has these. Larry Bird had that inbounds he stole. And then LeBron obviously had the chase down block. Kobe and Shaq had that lob against Portland that gets shown on every highlight. That was Giannis's one of those moments where it's just there's like three people on earth who could have made that block and he did it perfectly in game four of a pivotal game of the NBA finals, where if the bucks lose that they're down three to one and if they win, it, it's an even series and and we can go get it. You know, it, we as fans are going to like dig into this. Um, so it was just one of those singular moments. That's just like, Oh, that's amazing. And uh, I ever, if you're missing these finals, they're really good. It's good basketball. The Suns play up tempo, the bucks play defense, and it's really a clash in styles. And you've got some all time great players and Chris Paul, uh, Giannis, I think he's going to be a legend by the time he's done. Booker is like the new hotshot scorer. I mean, there, there's some good stuff to watch. And then Chris Middleton, super steady. I like it's it's been fun, and it's not the finals that everybody wanted. I know that you know the people who want big names wanted the Lakers and the Nets. Uh, that was like the odds-on favorite to do it. People wanted to see all those superstars go at each other. But this has been really entertaining basketball, even though it's not the names that, that necessarily everybody wanted. All right, so coming up on the show this week, we've got a few Hoosier headlines to hit. Um, for our, our main topic, we're going to look through some aspects of the team and see which ones we're uh, all in on. Uh, we posed this question in our uh, community, and so got some good answers from there. So we'll kind of react to uh, what some of you put in, in there and just uh, look at some pieces of the team that we're excited about. Uh, and then, of course, we'll answer your questions. A lot of non-basketball questions this week, which should be good. So all of that coming up this week on Assembly Call Radio. Uh, and so as we do that, we do not have an ad this week. Uh, I would, I would echo coaches, uh, message he's been given about just, you know, kind of looking out for each other, finding somebody to, uh, you know, do a, a nice gesture for that maybe unexpected might brighten their day, uh, a little bit. I think those things are, uh, are, are certainly important. So, uh, you know, look for somebody over the next week or so to, you know, kind of give an unexpected call or text to you to check on and see how they're doing. Uh, I think those things can, uh, can certainly mean a lot. So with that, uh, we'll get into our Hoosier headlines. Not a, not a ton this week, as we talked about, guys. Um, IU did a game announced against uh, UNC Asheville on the 29th of December. Uh, a good opportunity, uh, dependent upon. Uh, I, I may try to go down for this. Um, usually for us, when people are, you know, we're out of school, students there out of school. Sometimes between the holidays is a good opportunity to be able to go. Uh, so UNC Asheville again on the 29th. Uh, they're 232nd in Torvik's preseason rankings. They finished. 244th in Ken Palm last year out of the Big South. So that'll be another, I think, the eighth game now that's been confirmed or uh, or at least reported from a scheduling standpoint. So that's out there. Uh, Lenardi put out another preseason bracket. Uh, IU is a 10 seed in that, I think, playing Xavier because uh, I have a friend who who is a big Xavier fan who texted me that matchup. Uh, new president, Pamela Witten, visited at, at the very least the IU men's and women's basketball teams as well as the football team earlier this week. I know those were documented uh, a little bit more than others on social media. So uh, that was there. And then uh, recruiting news, Jalen Washington committed to North Carolina. So, uh, you know, coach, any of those really stand out to you, uh, whether it be the scheduling, bracketology, recruiting, what, uh, what jumped out to you there? Well, and I, I'm really excited about the, the new president. 
I think she is um, a breath of fresh air for Indiana University in all aspects of, of the university. And I, I just like a leader who shows uh, concern for for everything uh, in in a university and, and meeting with the athletic department and coming down to the to, to Assembly Hall and Cook Hall and Memorial Stadium and, and doing it that way. Uh, I, I think leaders need to listen when they first uh, come into a position. And I'm su- sure she's met with academic leaders and and the like already as well. But that, that that's just a positive sign for me. And I wish her nothing but success and, and appreciate what I hear is a, a real support for athletics. And we'll see how, how that goes. So th- that's the one I, I'm always interested in the schedule, obviously from a, a, a fan standpoint and a bracketology standpoint uh, to, to analyze uh, what direction uh, they're going to go in coach Woodson's First year is going to be a little easier schedule to get things going. Or are they going to add some tough teams here? You know, they're running out of out of uh, spots yet to to play some real tough teams uh, besides the three they already have. So, so that's the other thing that's um, really grabbing my attention uh, this week. Ryan, what about you? Uh, it's losing Jalen Washington, obviously. I mean, look, that was going to be a tough uh, a tough battle, especially with the new coaching staff. But, you know, anytime the top player in the state leaves the state or goes other, somewhere other than Indiana, that's a blow. And, you know, it's it's great that he's not going to Michigan State or Purdue or Ohio State or, or one of the Big Ten teams. They, he, you know, if you're going to lose him, you want to lose him to a school you're not going to have to necessarily face. Uh but that's the top player in Indiana, and and you got to get those guys. And at some point, I swear, Indiana is gonna grab one of these top guys from Northern Indiana. It's gonna happen eventually. Uh, it has to. Um, but it, it's a big miss. And and I know that that this coaching staff is a little behind the eight ball with that. But they had guys who had been in contact with them previously, and they just lost. And and you've got to win some of these top level recruiting guys. If you want to take Indiana back to a national championship level, you're going to have to grab some of these guys. And so missing Jalen Washington really hurts. He's going to a good school at in North Carolina. So you can't be like mad that, and, and it's out of, again, out of conference. So you can't be too mad about it. Uh, but eventually at some point you got, you got to hit on some of these guys and, and you've got to be able to grab these guys. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how this recruiting class unfolds now that Indiana is a little thinner uh, this year than usual. And at the top and, and Washington was really the big guy that they were throwing everything at and, and to lose out that that hurts. It really does. So it, it'll be interesting to see how this class unfolds now um, that, that he's off the board and they're really going to have to pick up, somebody in, in another area to sort of fill that void as, as the alpha dog of the class. One of the things that happens with uh, recruiting is it's relationships. And, and uh, Indiana has, you know, one coach that has been on staff for a while, been recruiting kids, but now it's a different system. You know, you, you look at uh, North Carolina and, and they, they, they're staying in-house. So that relationship has, has, has been made. And the other thing that I think sometimes we got to just be honest about is, uh, his recruiting at the beginning to recruit the players back to Indiana was fantastic and getting to Tamar Bates uh, was fantastic. And then the expectation is coach Woodson has this perfect pitch every single time. And, and in, in all honesty, that just can't happen. Um, a lot of these guys gonna are going to go places. You're, you're going to miss, gonna miss. Um, 
you know, you're going to make mistakes uh, as a new staff uh, on who you offer and, and, and what you do um, to try to sway them in. And, and you really have a better chance um, with, with guys a couple years down the road where you're on even fighting, uh, even keel with the other programs. You're yes. not coming in and trying to make up a lot of ground. So that's why sure. it's disappointing for me. Uh, but again, that's part of the problem of changing coaches and changing coaches and bringing in an outsider. North Carolina stayed in house, and that's a little bit easier to transition um, in that situation. It's the same what what, what Duke's going to do. Those relationships have been built for two or three years, uh, and so I still and think also, Coach Woodson. They are, they are two guys known for their recruiting. Too, absolutely, like those that, schools did so. Oh, yeah, and then I think um, Coach Yah and 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 the guys they'll they'll get it going. Sure. Uh, it's just going to be a little bit slower. And that's where I'm, again, cautiously optimistic about the season too, because the staff has to get together and be on the same page and recruiting offense and defense. And I think you're seeing that here with some of those. But now, you know, Hood Shafino looks like uh, he might be a solid player to add. Yep. Uh, and again, I don't, I know you need bigs and, and I'm a tall guy myself, but you know, I'd rather play with all guards and no bigs than all bigs and no guards. I think we've seen that. So if we if we miss on some bigs, I I don't I don't worry as much. I think that I'm a tall guy myself is a good drop, Jared. When you listen, I think that's no. Uh, look, I look. I'm not saying that this is a uh, you know a look into the future that they missed on Jalen. Watch, I'm just saying at some point you've got to hit on those guys. Right. We we got to hit on those guys. And, and it's something that Archie Miller didn't. I mean, he tried yeah, no. to get those top guys and he never did, and it cost he, he him his job. On some of them. And, at some and, point and you got to start. You got to bring him. You know, bring him in. Yeah, you have to hit on those guys. And and again, I don't think that 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 Woodson and staff are are bad recruiters. I definitely don't think that. I think they did a as coach mentioned, they did a fantastic job bringing those guys back into the fold. You went out and you grabbed you know, a couple guys and, and, and we're uh, via transfer got Tamar Bates. I, I think they'll be good at this. I do think they'll be good at this. Uh, it's just, you know, anytime the top kid in Indiana doesn't go to Indiana, you're going to, you're going to be disappointed about it. But again, yeah, you're right. The transition, they're going to get in with the 23 guys and the 24 guys and, and, and sort of build those relationships and be on even footing with everybody else. And that's how you, you know, really establish things. And, and of course, a kid's going to be more comfortable with somebody who's been recruiting him for three years than a guy who's been doing it for six months. No questions about it. I also think that Washington was tight with North Carolina all along. I mean, that's what you heard. Uh, I think he was intrigued by the Indiana idea, especially early and said some nice things about it. But I, I think that he had his mind made up about North Carolina for a while. Again, None of that is a reflection on the efforts uh, of, of the coaching staff. I'm just saying eventually as Indiana, regardless of who the coach is, as Indiana, you got to grab some of these guys, especially in the northern half of the state. When, when there's a top player from Fort Wayne or Gary or wherever, you got to be able to get them. And Indiana has not consistently gotten them in a long time. So that's got to be a trend that changes at some point. I, I think I think recruiting is tough, too, because you've heard through the vibes and other other places, too, where – um, they offered this guy early and then offered this guy later. And there are some, you know, coaches in Indiana were scratching their head and everything. And I don't think that shows a problem. Uh, I just show that they're not perfect. Uh, and, and you're generally not perfect when you come from the NBA and got to recruit for the first time and you got five or six voices, uh, chiming in, you're going to have some, some problems. I think those things are true. I think Indiana's recruiting has, has struggled a little bit, um, this summer and just continuity, uh, it seems like. Um, but I don't know that that's not to be expected 
in this situation. So I, well, I don't what think I would a, say is a horrible sign. I think the staff and that this whole program needs to develop the chemistry. They need to know each other, get to know each other's strengths, get to know, you know, so they can vibe together. And then when they have their recruits on campus or on the phone or are there doing a present, they're all kind of used to each other and can play off each other. These guys are being slammed together for the first time. So it's not always going to be smooth. There's going to be bumps in the road. You've got new guys above the coaching staff, you know, doing the operations stuff and all that. And, so it's just a matter of developing that communication, developing uh, that sort of chemistry as a staff. That takes time. And that's why a lot of times uh, I know like fans will will say things like, and I've, I've said it before, is like, hey, you got to fire this assistant because he's not getting it done and all that. And the coach will, and, 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 you know, the program needs to change and the coach won't fire the guy. Well, there's usually a reason. It's that, well, this may not be perfect, but we have chemistry. We kind of know how each other work. We all kind of get along, things like that. It's better than the uh, bringing in an unknown quantity that we don't know how it's going to go and how it'll all fit together. So that, that's why sometimes you hang on to assistant coaches that might be underperforming a little is because, well, no, he works with the team really well. He works with the, the rest of the guys here really well. So uh, and also, you know, sometimes they'll bring in a coach who they know from a previous job. And you're like, well, there are better, you know, higher profile guys available. Yeah, but he doesn't know how to work with that guy. And, and so staff chemistry is as important as team chemistry. And, and I think that that just needs to develop whenever you have a new coaching staff, that's, that's going to develop. And that's why you see when guys go from, you know, a smaller school to a big school, they bring half their staff with them, you know, at least, and then we'll maybe grab a elite recruiter or something like that. And it's because they know how to work with those guys. Yeah. And I think, well, I mean, one thing you might see, in the in the short term is you know the ability to use a transfer portal so even if there's kind of hiccups in the road from a recruiting standpoint now you know maybe they can paper over that a little bit with some work in the transfer portal as the staff gets into sync and sets them up better for you know future classes because it is to, to this to your point you know kind of late to get in on some of these guys that may have been recruited by somebody for a while so there's the ability to patch some holes that way and they, they did that certainly and they've year, done really so. well with it they've yeah. done really well with the transfer portal so far well, and I think the other thing, well, I mean, and, and, assuming the guys that come in, they're transferred in this year, do well, that's also a blueprint you can give to other guys next year that say, hey, we've had success in that realm versus, you know, we brought guys in, we either picked the wrong guys, they didn't end up getting the minutes they thought they were going to get. So I think, you know, hopefully success with guys like Xavier and, and Michael Durr and uh, Miller Cop this year, you know, can kind of help them become a little bit more of a transfer destination, if you will. And that can, you know, you still got to be able to recruit, but I think in this very near term, that might be a, a potential solution to to help you know gloss over some yeah. of those things. And here, here's a little bit of unsung too from from us fans. We always look at the the commitments uh, as the final scorecard. It, it, to me, the staff seems to be evaluating talent pretty you know pretty well, uh, and a sign that they're going to go after the best talent. Because if Indiana's going to hang banner number six, they're going to need more Jimmys and Joes than what they've had. Uh, and so they're evaluating and they're willing to take shots in situations in this first year that were going to be difficult. Um, and, and so while, you know, some, it, it may seem like it's slowing down and pausing a little bit, uh, they're, they're not shying away from going and spreading that net nationally uh, and trying to bring in the, the best talent. They're not getting it done um, right now, but you got to think that you know, with, with this staff, they're going to evaluate talent. It just comes to that, the chemistry that Ryan's talking about of getting it done with your, your zooms and your meetings and, and, and just the, 
the process of making offers and knowing what order to offer and is it a hard offer or or an offer contingent? There's so much that goes on with all that stuff that that needs to be figured out, and that, this staff will get there, I'm sure. Yep. All right. Well, that'll do it for our first segment. And uh, when we come back, we're going to talk through some things that uh, fellow fans are all in on about this year's team and figure out if we're all in with them. So we'll do that next. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. All right. Welcome, everybody. Happy Thursday evening. What's up, chat mob? Coach, there's no rain pouring in from your ceiling, so that feels that feels no, good. No, it it it, <laughs> it kind of we've had an interesting thing and I won't spend a lot of time on it, but storms have come up from the Purdue area, Lafayette area, and they've just split around Delphi for like four or five years. We've never gotten a whole lot. We got a lot of rain the other day, but we have never, the town of Delphi has missed some of the major stuff that has just been to the North and just been, and, and I, I texted Amy upstairs and she said, no, nah, it rained, but it looked like it skipped on us. So yeah. Ryan's back looking ridiculous. So thanks for uh this. so Fernando Tatis's people sent me these. So I promised I'd wear them on the air for a minute. And uh Yeah. That's it. Those are really, I just had to, those are really something. It's good, it's I good think look. I can pull them off. It's good guys. look on you. I don't know. I mean I really want to flip a bat right now. It's just <laughs> you you need the ch- you need the chain and the spin yeah. thing for the Oh, you know. bro, I, I, I can see the Hitman, but they actually see Hitmans were like wraparounds. These actually have like a thing. There were clear ones, but my new light is vi- there was like a clear lens you can pop in, but my light is very bright. So I'm just, you know, kind of protecting my eyes a little bit. <clears throat> I do need the, sp- the, the, the swag chain to yep. spin after the home run. Did you guys watch the All Star game? Did anybody watch yeah. it? I watched we need it. An I watched call it. Swag chain. No, it's an AC. Hard to, hard to pass game. around though in our in our current setup. That would I think good. we should make hat. I think we should make hats like these with a with an A and a C. I agree. Them. I think we could do that. Maybe home field will start doing that. Um, do it with the like Alabama A script kind of thing. I think that would work. Or we could do IU block lettering. I don't know. Um, yeah, what'd you guys think of the All Star game? I was. It was something I, you've I, never seen before. Guys started leading off and then pitching. Yeah. I missed, I missed pieces of it cause I had to go pick uh, one of the kids up somewhere, but um, I mean, NL just cannot, cannot get it done. <laughs> it's pretty much all. It's insane. Is, all cause it's, just, it, a, it's just an exhibition. How do they not do it? Like Tatis missed two home runs by about a millimeter on the bat. And then they had a couple other guys who hit the ball. Well, which is right at guys. I mean, Chris Bryant, 3-0 swinging with the bases loaded and flares went out to left and it gets caught. I mean, there's just, it is Coach, crazy. Coach Marlowe's in the chat. Wasn't it the other way around when, when we were young, the national league yes. on a, a long, long, the national league has the, has the, the longest win streak and the, and the third longest win streak. And now the American league is in the second okay. longest, but yeah, it was, I mean, what's, what's hilarious and, and crazy is that the American league's won like, what is it? Eight in a row now. And all time, it's still like a two-win difference. Like it's it, you know, even with all these wild mm-hmm. swings, it basically 
completely evens out. And the run differential heading into this year's game all time was plus three for the American League. You'd figure like over all that time they'd stretch it out at some point. But nope. I tell you what, the changes they made to the home run derby have made it exciting for me. Uh, it is the, the only the part that sucks. The timing thing is good. Is the, the bonus. I agree with all of that. The only issue is it is a uh, not being there. You don't get to watch the home run because it's like halfway through its thing. And then they put, yeah. they should like have to wait for it to drop before they pitch. So or, you can actually yeah. watch the whole thing. I thought that's Split what they used, uh, screen or used to do, but, but then they can't hit as many because some of these are moonshots that take forever to land. So then they seem to have yes, that for sure in the last couple of years. Where I would like, say almost like stop the clock, stop the clock while it's in the air. So, I mean, they got to figure something out because it's like you're watching, you're watching, oh, that's a blast. And then you're back to watching the guy swing again, you know? The, so the only change I think I would make is in the first round, give everyone three minutes and then take the four best. And then seed them one yeah. versus four, two versus three then match in a bracket up. situation. Yeah, because yeah, like, Selby Perez, he hit like 30 and he didn't go. No, yeah. I mean, I like the bracket for the last four. I agree with that. I yeah, for the final four, you just know, go. just give yeah. everyone a chance to. But no, hey, at this rate, nobody's beating Pete Alonso. That guy is built solely for the home run derby. I mean, well, that, that was unbelievable. Everyone's got to keep going for their th- minutes because if you're second in a bracket and someone hit 13, yeah. you're going to quit at 14. And yeah. it's great to see Alonso go for 72 home runs in three, I think, three minutes or whatever he did. So I think next year, uh, Tatis isn't doing it this year because he had a shoulder injury. And, and it's only like 75%. And so the team was basically like, hey, take it easy. Uh, but next year, he's going to do it. Um, I think he's going to convince Vladdy Jr. Guerrero Jr. to do it because they're like buddies. I think he's going to, and I think that Acuna will do it. I think Soto would again. I'm sure Otani will do it again. Uh, they might say next year, "Hey, I don't want to pitch though." Like you know, I'm going to go. I'll DH, but I'm not going to pitch. I'd love so to see gets, Schwarber. Uh, sh- dude, I yeah. was surprised they didn't try and get Schwarber in when they started doing replacements this year. Um. But yeah, so I think that the top level guys will will do it next year, and a couple of them sat out this year. Um, My money's on Alonzo. Yeah, he's gonna like I said. I say he's he he. It's just what he was born to do. Like was hit the yeah. not, not necessarily to hit, but to hit in the home run. And he's he might be the greatest to have ever died. No, Ken Griffey's won three one, but Alonzo just looks so at ease up there. He could have kept going for an hour. My name's Pete Alonso, and I hit dingers. <laughs> that's, all, that's all it has to be. Man. They call me Big Pete. Yeah, Big Pete. All but right. yeah, all right, you guys, you guys are ready. Also, USA USA soccer match about to start for anybody who's. Who are they playing? How about they're Italy, playing, Ryan? They playing Martinique. Is that who they're playing tonight? Martinique, Italia. Woo! Vittoria. That was awesome. So, get England. <laughs> all right i'm ready whenever he goes all right cool give me one second hey this is max bielfeld big 10 champ and better than advertised six man of the year in 2016 and speaking of better than advertised join jared andy ryan and coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. And welcome back to the Assembly Call. So how do you keep up with the fire hose of information that comes out almost every day about IU basketball? It's crazier during the offseason and even crazier during the season. Well, we've got your back. We send out a free weekly email newsletter on Sunday mornings. 
rounds up the most important and interesting IU basketball stories from the previous week to keep you up to date on your Hoosiers. Over 8,000 of your fellow IU fans are already on the list, and we want you to be on there as well. So go to join.assemblycall.com to subscribe for free now. That's join.assemblycall.com. You can also text IU to 66866. That's IU to 66866. All right, I'm Andy Bottoms here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni and Ryan Phillips. And I uh, wanted to, Jared posed a question in our community today about asking, you know, are there things that you're all in on uh, with this team? And so uh, I tried to compile these as best I could. So if there's anybody who put one in there later, I may have missed it. But I uh, wanted to get these and figure we'd just kind of react to them uh, as we went and see where, uh, where the three of us fall on these. So uh, there are... Most of these were all all in things they were all in on. He also gave the option to uh, for to put something you're all out on. So I'll probably uh, probably skip that because there wasn't too much of that. But uh, in terms of being all in, so Jared actually put the first one in to get started. So we do his first. Uh, he said he's all in on Tamar Bates being a major contributor during Big Ten play, and he put parenthetically that means top five in minutes and scoring. So, Coach, where do you come down on this one? Are you in on that? Um, yeah, I, I think if Indiana is going to be a, a team that that contends, I, I think you have to play your talented players. Now, tomorrow's going to have to come in and, and you know learn what's going on. And the college game is different, but you know a five star. Yeah, I think he's going to have to play. So I'm all in on that. Ryan, what about you? Yeah, I'm all in. I, I think that by the end of the season, he's going to be that guy uh, that the, he might be coming off the bench. Um, but I think that he's going to be a huge contributor because of his ability to score, his his defensive ability, and just his enthusiasm that he brings. I think he's going to be one of those guys like Grace Thompson, where just his attitude changes the makeup of what's on the court for Indiana. Like it just rubs off on other guys. I mean, there are times, you know, Race Thompson this year was the most impactful player on the floor and didn't put up st- any statistics worth. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing in here noting you know he'd have like oh that was an impact block or that was a big rebound or you know he had a big bucket at one point but he wasn't you know double doubling Uh, but his enthusiasm energy and hustle on the court just took the team to another level i think bates is going to be kind of like that guy where it might not be dive on the floor plays but it's just an attitude and and this team hasn't had a dog in a while and i think that that's what tamar bates is i'll I'll say I'm not quite all in on that one. Um, I think he's probably right around that maybe five, six range in terms of minutes and scoring as you start laying out, 
you know, where guys are going to play. I do think, um, you know, given the competition that he played, uh, in prep school and some of those things, he might be a little bit more ready to step into some of those situations than others. Uh, but I, I think it, you know, there's also a lot of guys that, you know, he's got a pass to be top five in minutes and scoring. So I think he'll be in the mix. I certainly think he's going to be a key rotation player. I just don't know if I'm quite, quite that, uh, that bullish on it. So I'll, I'll say out for, for now, but, uh, but we'll see. Uh, Luke said, I'm all in on Rob Finnessy stepping up and being a star. We all know he could be Uh Finnessy tweeted this week about, uh, a book he's reading called The Intentional or Intentional Mindset tweeted, this book is helping me get ready for the upcoming season by getting my mind right. Um, so I thought that was uh, thought that was interesting. The foreword is by Greg Gard, so do what you will uh, with that information. <laughs> but um, but anyway, I think you know we've talked a lot about the mental piece of things uh, with with Rob and how Dane Fife has talked about some of those things with Rob uh, as well. So I think it's. Uh, I, I think it's interesting and in that, that he's reading, uh, you know, a book like that and, and kind of acknowledging, uh, some of those things. So, um, wh- what do you guys think about Rob? I, I don't know that he takes a leap and becomes a, you know, a star in that sense of the word, but, uh, you know, Ryan, what do you think is maybe realistic expectations for Rob this year, assuming that, you know, he, he gets his, uh, you know, some of the confidence things and stuff that we talked about, you know, puts those behind him a bit. What, what do you think? is reasonable to expect it's, from him. It's hard for me to be bullish on him just because we've seen several years of expecting him to take that next leap. I know and not doing it. I know it's a new coaching staff. I know he's surrounded by a lot more talent and especially there's pressure off him in the backcourt now. It's just hard for me to to jump in and be like he's all of a sudden going to be the thing Rob needs to be it's forget the points, the assists, the minutes, what he needs to be consistent. One from one game to the next, we need to know what to expect from Rob Finnessy, whether it's all good or all bad, because then you know how to handle it. And, and the problem is, is that he would go three bad games and then look like an all Big Ten player. And then you'd be like, oh, he's turned the corner and then be OK and then have two bad games and all of a sudden pop back up. And it's. That's hard to deal with. I mean, that that's harder to deal with than a guy who just doesn't get it done because you can't just replace him in the lineup because some games are just kind of like, well, you know, maybe this is the game where he steps up at Iowa last year. He looked like a fringe all big 10 player uh, with his defense and some clutch shots and some driving and and this and that and the other thing. And, And he just never reached it the rest of the year consistently. So I would say I'm out on, on fantasy. I don't know what he has to do to be considered a success, but I would just put some level of consistency, you know, don't hurt the team when you're on the floor. Like, be giving the effort, be giving the comment. Because look, when Rob is confident and bouncing around, he can knock down shots. He can put the ball in the in the hoop on a drive. He's not going to be again. He's not going to be a knockdown fifty percent three, you know, forty eight percent three point shooter. He's not going to be the greatest driver in the world, but he can get it done at both of those things, and he can be an elite defender. That's what he can do when he's right. And Indiana needs all of those things, but it's just so hard to see me to see for me to see him all of a sudden just turning a corner and being the guy. I hope he does. I to I hope to God he does. It would be so rewarding for him and every Indiana fan who has who has wanted that for so long. But I just I have a tough time seeing it happening. Coach, thoughts on Rob? Yeah, I, I I'm out on the keyword being a star. Um I'm not out on him being an efficient member of a winning basketball team and I think Ryan just hit on all the things that he needs to do to be efficient. 
Uh, and number one is mental consistency. And then his physical play needs to be consistent. Um, do I believe he can get there? Absolutely. But all he needs to do is be able to be a lockdown defender and run the offense and play with a little more pace uh, and hit a shot. Um, he doesn't have to be a 20-point star. Uh, so the key word in that comment there for me and being out on Rob Finnessy, I don't think he needs to be the the uh, a star. I think he needs to be a good, solid contributor. And he has at times, and he hasn't. And, and that goes back to what Ryan said about needing to be consistency. Where he will star if he's playing well, is consistent defensively on on a, a ball handler, which is just a, a must in order to to be competitive in the Big Ten. Uh, and and then you know if he's average offensively, I think that's better than what he has been um, in the past. Yeah, I, I think I, I fall in line with you, Coach. It's in my head. It's how can he become a key rotation player that you know, and it kind of blends together what you guys said that you know what you're going to get from on a you know, game in, game out basis. And I think having a little bit less pressure on him to really run the show this year and being able to play a bit more off the ball, focus on defense, potentially spot up shooting and some of those scenarios that I think he's rated out pretty well at in some of the uh, other metrics, you know, giving him a few things to do and, and really allowing him to excel at those things uh, will, will go a long way because I think he just didn't ever – it just wasn't able to flourish in amidst what Archie Miller was asking him to do, whether that's system based, how he was asking, whatever, whatever case may be. They you know, put you way too much on his shoulders. Bits, you know, those bits and pieces. But he just, yeah, I think it was just asking a guy in some ways to do more than he was really capable of. Um, and I think hopefully the new staff is able to, uh, you know, hone in on the things that he really does well and, and focus on those. Uh, next one, Sally and Jeff both had pretty similar uh, takes on this. All in for a sped-up style of play, and of course, all in on somebody, anybody, hopefully being able to shoot shoot the ball. Uh, and yeah, Jeff kind of said the same thing, playing more up-tempo, shooting the three better. Uh, Coach, you, I, I think everybody would be uh, very excited about that. So there's no question that we're all in on the excitement for that. Uh, are you all in and it actually coming to fruition? Um. I'm all in and it happening, and I think it has to happen. I think college basketball is played with a little bit of pace. Good college basketball is played with pace, uh, and you do need to be efficient in the half court come tournament time. But, um, you know, North Carolina is known for its break. Michigan State known for its break. Um, you know, you, you look at Gonzaga, and, and they, they not just pace in a, in a fast break, but your ability to penetrate, drive the floor, kick, and get open shots early in, in shot clock situations. And so um, I, I think we've been too methodical for a while. So I'm all in and going there. Um, but, but what leads me to be all in there is I think uh, Coach Woodson and staff has tried to get some downhill guys. I think Tamar Bates can get downhill. I, I think Xavier Johnson can get downhill. And, you know, Lander and and Finnessy will learn. I don't think we saw that their capabilities last year. So if those guys can really be penetrating guards – then I think that opens up a little more free-flowing offense. So, yeah, I believe that's going to happen. Um, is it going to happen to the point of great success? I, I can't I can't promise that. Yeah, I'll, uh, I, I count me in as all in for this. I think maybe like Sally and Jeff kind of wanting it to happen, wishing it to happen, but I do think you'll see – uh, I think you'll see more pace. I think you'll see more spacing, and I think that'll lead to more three point shooting. So, uh, just a matter of whether they uh, whether they go in or not. But uh, I'm in on the concept for sure. 
Um, all right, Sean. Yeah, I think as a oh, team, yeah, I would say I think as a team, I think they'll shoot better. I don't know if individual guys will take jumps because we haven't seen what this staff's development process is like. Uh, as far as the sped-up style of play, when he was a head coach, Mike Woodson for the NBA was actually pretty slow. Their, their offense yeah. was actually pretty slow. But that's for the NBA. It will not be slower than it was under Archie Miller. There's no way. I mean, how could you be? But but I will say that it's not like we're all of a sudden going to be running, gunning, right. you know, top 50 in tempo. I, I sincerely doubt that. Uh, but I do think there's going to be more pace, certainly. And and as it's coming from an NBA system, you're going to get out and transition more. You have to uh, if you're coming from that kind of world. So I do think it'll be faster. Do think the team will shoot better. So I'm all in on that. But I, I think that people need to temper their expectations when they say that the tempo is going to be faster. It It's not going to be the Golden State Warriors out there. It's going to be a more you know, toned down up-tempo offense. Uh, Sean, I'm all in on TJD becoming the All-American we know he can be. Uh, Ryan, what do you think he, I, I know it's a little bit hard to gauge, you know, preseason-wise, I think he'll be on an All-American team. I don't know if he would be, uh, you know, first-team All-American from a, a, a national perspective. Where do you kind of see him potentially fitting in that pecking order to start the season? Yeah, I think I think that people are going to be talking about him to start the season because I think a lot nobody really expected him to come back, and so I think there'll be a lot of talk about he came back to do this with Indiana, Mike Woodson. Like I think that there's, and I think that story about Mike Woodson, you know, talking to him and telling him all his faults and all that stuff will get a lot of play. Uh, I think that he's an All American this year. He'll make one of the three teams. I, I think that um, he's going to get better because I think that he's had his flaws pointed out, and I don't think the development of his game could be, it will be better. I'll put it that way to not put a negative spin on it. It will be better. And uh, yeah, I think he's an all American this year. And I, and I think that he plays up to that. I don't know if he's going to be able to be knocking down threes or long jumpers, but I just think he's going to be a better, more well-rounded player. Coach, how about you? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a little out on, on that. Um, and, and it doesn't take anything away from, you know, my appreciation for TJD. I think there are more weapons. Uh, I, I don't know that, there's going to be a, a, as much of an emphasis of getting him the ball every time uh, to a fault um, of the offense last time. Uh, and so I could see his numbers decreasing and the team play going, uh, improving uh, and wins improving. Uh, and maybe the team success gets him to that all American. Um, I think he just, messes that's what I think all- will happen. Yeah. I think he just misses all American. Cause it's, you know, just that that's, that's a real tough, um, place to go to, uh, and he's going to have to develop a lot. And I think he can, but his, you know, all the things we've said, the outside shooting, the right hand, all of those things, he gets it done because he is a great competitor and he hustles. Um, and when he is locked in, he can be dominant. Uh, it's not because he has, uh, a bag full of skills, um, that that's NBA ready. If he had that, he'd have been gone. Um, I don't, I don't know that he'll reach that all American, but he'll be, um, very, very solid. Yeah. I think it's an interesting way to think of it, coach. I, I don't know, you know, typically the first and second teams are, are filled a lot with guys whose teams have had a ton of success. Um, or they've really just been over the top from a statistical standpoint. And I don't know to your point, whether he's going to end up being over the top from a statistical a statistical standpoint, I think the question then becomes how how the team performs, and and as the 
you know, leader and, and star of a team that may outperform expectations. I think that really is what would propel him into that conversation. I do think he'll probably be on one of them from a preseason standpoint. I think if you look at toward the end of the season, I think a lot of that will be dictated on how the team plays. And if they really surprise people and finish toward the top of the big 10, uh, and, and end up being top 25, you know, top 20, top 25 type team, then I think that becomes a more compelling argument and, and maybe he doesn't get passed up by some people along the way. But, um, I guess that's kind of how I compartmentalize, you know, the different things that would influence whether he'd be there or not. Uh, all right. Next one is really on the coaching. Uh, a few different people, Kevin, Mike, and Tom all, uh, talked about various aspects of the coaching staff. I'm all in with the coaching staff. Players are the guys that ultimately must play as a team to win, but the team starts with a good coaching staff and I'm all in on them. Uh, talked about providing swagger for, for the players and, uh, and how a great staff can make good players. Great. Uh, so coach feels probably only fitting to throw a coaching, uh, coaching one to you first. So, uh, how are you feeling about the staff and the, and the role they're going to play and where this team shakes out this season? We talked about a lot from a recruiting standpoint earlier on, uh, what matters for now is the, uh, the performance on the floor. So how do you, uh, how do you, how do you look at the coaching staff? I'm all in from what you can see. Um, and, and what you can see is is really good hires. Uh, I think a really good staff selection. I, I think he did a good job in in getting players to stay and come out of the transfer portal and getting Tamar Bates. Um, and, and it's you know really too early, even though we've maybe taken a few hits or nose on the recruiting trail. Uh, but what we've seen, uh, I, I like the staff, and I, I was very hesitant at first. Um, but I, I think not only basketball wise, but just community wise and the whole promotion of the program. And, and it just seems like there's a lot more juice outside towards the program and inside the program than there was under, uh, previous regimes. Um, and so to me, that's exciting. Obviously it's gotta be offense and defense and game prep and, and rotations and all of that stuff that we just, we do not know, and we could guess by what he's done in the past and what he's run, and there's been a lot of talk about the four-out. We just don't know. Um, we hope that his successes in, in formulating this program the way he has carry over into the technical part of it, uh, and I don't see a reason why that shouldn't ha- happen, uh, but I, I can't sit here and, and, and say that they're going to be a great college basketball staff until you see it but it's off to a great start. So I'm all in on this coaching staff. I'm excited to see uh, what they bring. Ryan. Yeah. I, I, I obviously am, am impressed with what they've done so far. Uh, I'm kind of it. I, I put this at almost like a shrugged shoulder. Cause I won't know until they get them on the court, you know, I, with all the momentum that's been built and all of that. Um, I think that they've got a tough job ahead of them, making a lot of new pieces fit. And that's not, you know, that that's the danger of coming in as a new coaching staff and bringing in transfers and getting a late recruit and, and all that stuff. You got a lot of pieces, you know, to make fit into a puzzle and a limited time to do it. So I, I think this coaching staff has done a very good job. Uh, I was skeptical about some aspects of hiring Mike Woodson, but I've, for most every move he's made, I've agreed with and thought was the right move so far. And have praised him as such on this program repeatedly. I think he's done a really good job. The the rubber is going to hit the road though when we start seeing him in the Bahamas and then the build up to the season, and see what they can actually do. You know what they can, what he can import from the NBA. What kind of stuff he's going to add 
that's more college oriented, how he's going to deal with having so many guys that, hey, transferred in. You don't transfer to sit on the bench. You transfer in to play and because you weren't happy with your other situation. Now, a couple of these guys are multi-year transfers, all that stuff, so they might see the bigger picture of maybe they don't play as much this year, but they're setting up a role for next year, whatever. And then you've got the guys he convinced to return, and they didn't return to sit on the bench. They returned to play. And so how does he put this all together? I think he's got a plan, and and I feel good about it. But really, I don't think it's, it's we're going to be able to answer it until we see what they do on the court. Uh, I would lean towards yes and and lean towards being all in, but we'll see when 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 things actually start to get real and the bullets start flying. Yeah, this one's definitely hard to answer. I mean, I'm all in on the enthusiasm of it and and what they've brought from that perspective. I think it, it's such a hard thing to really answer without totally understanding the system they're going to run and and all those different pieces. But uh, this feels like one where you're, at least at this point, based on what you see, you you have reason to feel optimistic and, and to be excited. And I think that's good. Uh, and then the the real test of this will Definite be optimism. they get on the court and, and kind of go from there. So I'm all in on the optimism at the very least. So, uh, all right. So last one's uh, Phil and Chuck. This is kind of varying degrees of, uh, of where you view IU in the Big Ten. So uh, Phil said, I'm all in on IU shocking the Big Ten and challenging Michigan for the title. Chuck doesn't go quite as far, although one of these may be the, the most outlandish of all. Uh, all in on a top three Big Ten finish. Maybe that's not crazy, but championship game of the Big Ten tournament is a uh, it feels like a far, a far bridge. So uh, those are two different degrees of, of enthusiasm. But uh, Ryan, you all in on on either of those things or do you think those are uh, maybe a, a bridge too far for you? You're on mute. I mean, we've all been waiting for you to be on mute for right. years now, but I, I know it happened. you just shouldn't have said anything. You just should have <laughs> let me go for like oh, five you, minutes. And you then you just gone it. for a while. So, yeah. Yeah. Seen my lips stop moving and yeah. just kick it to coach. It would have been great. <laughs> Silence for everybody. Uh, look, I love the optimism. I love the optimism. I, I cannot share that much optimism. I, I think that, uh, it's a process and I think this is going to be year one of a process. I don't think it's a full scale tear it down rebuild. Like, you know, other people uh, like other teams have gone through and like other coaching changes have been, but it's hard for me to see them contending for a big 10 title this year, especially again, with all of the new guys you got to fit in and make feel good about themselves and all that. I think it's going to be a struggle. I, I think they're going to be good. I think this team is going to be better than last year for sure. And I think they're going to make the big 10, the, the, the NCAA tournament. Uh, a Big Ten, the championship game of a Big Ten tournament, that ain't happening. Come on, this is Indiana, guys. This is the Big Ten tournament is where dreams go to die for this university. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pass on that one. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they're gonna be challenging for the for the Big Ten title this year. I think that they'll be in the mix with the good teams, maybe the top third of the Big Ten. But I, I don't. I think that the there's gonna be some clear cut uh, teams right off the bat who are out in front and, and, and going to make a run at it. Coach, what about you? I, I, I'm out on the contending uh, stuff. Uh, I'm rooting for it. I'm going to cheer like heck for every game for it. Um, but I, I'm out on the contending for the Big Ten Championship regular season or the tournament. I just think there's too many pieces uh, to, to put together. I think we're in a good place. 
Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if four, five, six is where we end up uh, landing. I think that would be very, very successful in first year uh, w- with all of the pieces that that have to be put together. And honestly, I'll probably be a little disappointed if we're below seven or eight. You know, uh, th- that's not why we made the change. So, you know, you're just stuck in that. Right now, I'm looking five, six is where I think Indiana is going to be. I, I just I get why we're all excited. Um, because it's new and the program is, you know, pushing out social media and it's just a really, really good feeling. But, you know, um, every time you take over a program, there's stuff that, you know, don't know, uh, and and you can't fix it all in June and July. It crops up in November and December. and, 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 you know, sometimes you're fortunate to take over a program where you have a lot of uh, a good players coming back. And I think that's the situation that coach Woodson is. So it's not like you're going to go to the bottom of a league and have to rebuild back up, but you're going to have to go to the middle of the league, maybe, or just slightly above that middle of that league because of all of the, the strategies, the game, the rest, the rotation, all of that stuff trying to figure out in that first year. Uh, and you overcome that with, with great returning talent. And, and, and while I like all the guys, I don't think the talent that's returning is great besides TJD, our incoming guys are expected to start. I mean, Xavier and Parker Stewart and Tamar Bates and Miller Cop and all that. If they had been in the program, like when Michigan a few years ago, um, when, when they made their coaching change, they had a lot of returning guys that were really good um, uh, f- for them to start over and they jumped to the top right away. If we make that, that'd be great. Um, uh, I, and I think there's a slight chance that that would happen, but I think it's really slight. So I'm all out on all those. Um, I don't want to call them crazy predictions because I really like them. Uh, and I love the fan base being excited again instead of negative. So, you know, make sure you keep making those. Uh, but be be ready for uh, a few L's here and there. And, uh, you know, don't be disappointed with a 7, 8, 9, 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. Our name needs to be in that bracket uh, regardless of, of where the seed line is. Uh, that would be success. Yeah, I think to to your point, Coach, you've got a lot of you're you're expecting to do that. You'd need to see a lot of things from guys that you haven't seen so far. Either you haven't seen them in an IU uniform, or you haven't seen them from the guys that are returning back. And so many things have to go right in a league like the Big Ten for it to uh, materialize that way. You know, who knows? Now, the the tournament piece can be a little bit of a crapshoot. I mean, despite what we would say about IU's uh, less than storied history in that event, uh, you know, I I think. You know, those kinds of things can happen from time to time as you get teams that make a run. And maybe this is a team that really, because of all the new pieces, starts to peak later in the season. But I think the overall, you know, kind of high Big Ten finish predictions there uh, just feel like a, a little bit too far for me, just given what we know about this team. Um, and, and maybe we appreciate burned, them, but maybe being burned by talking ourselves into the idealized versions of so many guys and so many teams over the past few years. So I, uh, I, I would agree with what you guys said. I certainly appreciate the enthusiasm and it's a heck of a lot better than the, uh, than the, the depression that was setting in toward the end of, uh, end of last season. So hopefully, uh, I hope to be proven wrong and that these guys can take a, a victory lap on us for how those, uh, uh, for how those actually work out. But uh, all right, well, that'll do it for uh, for that, the all-in segment, if you will. And so uh, we're going to take another break, and we'll come back and answer your questions next, including the mediocre question of the week from Jay Horry. Stick around with us here on the Assembly Call.
amazing from the end of last year to now, the change in tone from the fan base. All, all, all right, great until game why. one, and then we see, and then we see yeah. how it goes. Oh, and so Danny, you've been here before, is what you're hope, saying. Andy. Hope springs eternal in the office. Yeah, for sure. Denny, Denny brings up a, a point in, in the chat mob, and, and from a coaching perspective, a lot of guys make shots in practice, and, and when you're doing a vlog, you're going to make sure you edit all the ma- makes. You're not going to show. You're not going to show any misses. That's why I, I like seeing that because it shows a little bit of you know you get to see the guys doing it, but it's a promotional piece and uh you know a, a lot of great shooters in our practices ended up going two for 14 in games because there's a little game pressure um so that, that's why i just uh <laughs> waiting wait until i see it on the court yep always all right well we'll hit these questions i think very few of which are actually basketball related as, as i recall from putting them in there so we'll uh we'll hit those and- got about what 10, 12 minutes, probably. I mean, we can end whenever. We don't really have the same uh, same time restrictions as we once did, so we can do whatever. Oh, I just uh, meant for, for our sanity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm uh, just kidding. Coach Marlowe again, the Ted Lasso. It's the hope that kills you. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. All right. Let's go. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations apply. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing! in here this is jordan halls and i never miss a shot or an episode of the assembly call all right welcome back to the assembly call i'm andy bottoms here with the coach brian tonsoni and ryan phillips segment three which normally means only one thing which would be our subscriber shout outs but we're uh taking a week off from those this week but do you have a couple shout outs related to things in the community um as we talk about this every week the questions that we're going to hit here are submitted via our private iu basketball discussion community which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community but uh shout out to robert cooney who has uh been doing some peach jam write-ups in there uh related to at least a handful of uh, guys that I use targeting. So he's put, um, you know, kind of parts one and two of those of, of different days there. And then, uh, Jay Horry of the, uh, of the mediocre question, uh, posted in there about, uh, you know, football tickets going on sale, uh, for, from the Iowa website for the, uh, for the season opener at Iowa. So trying to organize a little bit of a, a meetup there, uh, I think for the, uh, IU fans heading out there, which I believe, uh, coaches attending. So lots of good things going on in the community. So shout out to, uh, shout out to those guys. Uh, Tyler put in the chat, happy birthday to Jared, his, uh, Calvert Cheney, 
uh, 40th birthday was, uh, I believe yesterday. Um, so oh, I'm not sure if I'm still, am I still on here? I do not know. Um, uh, all right. So picking up, it's, uh, we're going to ask questions from our mailbag. Uh, Jay had the, the you might have to, you might have to let Andy back in when he comes there, coach. I don't know. Maybe he, not. Oh, here he comes. There hey. he is. Hey. Hey. I started talking about uh pretty sure lost the audio of whatever you guys talked about while I was gone. But uh yeah, I was I was talking about Jared's birthday and then uh Google Chrome just decided to uh completely shut down. So just crap out on you. Happens. Good times, but happy birthday Te- to Jared. Technology, I think is, eh? I think we, is where yeah, I, happy birthday, Jared. I think is where we I covered left nothing. Off. Okay, excellent work. Excellent work. Yep. Uh I believe on there there'll probably be a a, a part of me wondering what exactly happened because I thought it just opened a new window, which was clearly not the case. So <laughs> anyway, moving along and we're back. All right. So uh, might as well dive back in with. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. All right. From Jay Hurry, we actually got a, a, a more than one uh, music related question. Jay had this. If you could choose one musical act at one venue to be your first post pandemic concert, which act and venue would you choose? He said his first was on Sunday, seeing the Avet brothers uh, at Red Rocks. Uh, coach, I'll, uh, I'll throw this one to you. I feel like you've got uh, some a good, I, I good missed, thought on this. Yeah, I would be, it would be Jimmy Buffett, uh, outdoors. Um, Probably in Key West would be great, but I, at Raufa or whatever that place is called here at Deer Creek, uh, Noblesville. Uh, he was here last uh, last weekend, Saturday, but I had a family reunion get together, so I missed that opportunity. But I am seeing uh, local Indiana, Bedford, Indiana guy, Clayton Anderson, tomorrow oh, at yeah. the Ratskeller at the Beer Garden. Uh, Who hasn't but- been there? Yeah, it's a 99% chance of rain, though, tomorrow, uh, <laughs> 7, 8, 9. So my yeah. first concert, either maybe they'll move it indoor. I know they have. I, I've been t- uh, to the Rat Skeller indoor um, in, in one of their rooms. But um, the first time I get to go out to a concert and, and it's uh, it, it's supposed to rain in Indy. But I will be seeing Clayton Anderson uh, uh, tomorrow uh, evening or, uh, yeah, as this is recorded, uh, June 16th. Nice. Well, I'm hoping the weather. I uh, hope the weather holds off for you, Coach, so that you can you can enjoy that <laughs> in the outdoors. But uh, that's a good. I'm, one. Uh, Ryan, what about so you? So with this one, I'm, I'm going to go a little off the board and and go with uh, legendary LA punk band Social Distortion. I'd like to see them at the Bluebird. How about a <laughs> tiny little venue? I would like to see them at the Bluebird. I'd I'd also see them at any LA concert venue since that's their thing. Um, I, post pandemic, I would love to see them. I've seen them before, uh, at the house of blues in LA. It was one of the best concerts I've ever been to. Um, just somebody that everybody I knew listened to growing up and, you know, had their little national hits and everything. Anybody who knows music knows who they are, but, uh, I would love to see them at a tiny, tiny venue like the bluebird. Hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. I'll go. I, you know, Jay's thing about red rocks. I mean, I, I feel like somebody else, this week it posted uh, about there just what a great place it is to, to see it. So as some someplace I've never yeah. been, I would, uh, I guess I'll throw that out as the venue. The actual artist is a little bit difficult. It would probably be uh, someone country music related. If I had to guess, maybe Eric church who I've seen uh, in concert indoors and was, uh, was really good. But uh, I guess I'll, I'll say him at red rocks. Um, 
for for that. Although Jimmy Buffett was just here, uh, I think he was here in Cincinnati somewhere around the same time as as you mentioned, Coach. And there were there were some stories on the news about people trying to get in to start tailgating uh, before eight a.m. So uh, always yeah. always makes for a good day at the uh, at the Jimmy Buffett concert for sure. Uh, a buddy of mine saw Dave Matthews at Red Rocks and said it was incredible. Yeah, Red Rocks is a must see yeah. venue. It's a bucket list venue. Yep. All right. Well, sticking with the music, uh, Jeff Marlowe, what is the best concert you have seen? His was Kiss with Ted Nugent as the opener. <laughs> Ted Nugent. Uh, go to me last. I got to think through a few. All right. Mine, Bruce Springsteen in Soldier Field in the late 80s. That's kidding. That's not. A, it was general admission, 75,000 general admission. We got there oh at two. God. They opened the doors and they opened the doors two hours early because the crowd was so big. And we got on the football field and we were like 40 yards away from the stage when they started to, I was like 20, 21 started tuning up. There was a mad rush, just body <laughs> slamming up. Of course I ended there up was. like 15 feet from the stage he played for three hours you could not get out of the little concaves they were they were passing water over uh and if someone passed out we passed them over our heads to the people in in the hallways you know they had a little hallway and they were spraying it was so hot in the summer they were spraying fire hoses down on the crowd and we were all it was it was three hours of of that and I tell you what, OAR puts on a great, great concert. I've Everybody seen them in India so. a couple of times, so the, uh, I, I went over with two. But um, Springsteen Live at eighty thousand in Soldier Field was, was was fabulous. Nice, nice. That's a good one, Ryan. Maybe not eighty, maybe sixty. I think it only fits. But I, I've come up with one. You got I've yours yet? All right, go I, ahead. yeah, yeah. It was two thousand, I believe. The Summer Sanitarium tour at the L.A. Coliseum was Metallica, Corn, and Kid Rock with. Power Man 5000 and System of a Down opening before they got famous. But Metallica was the obviously the, the thing. It was the Coliseum seats 100,000 people. At least it did back then. And obviously there's a stage that cut off some of it. So in the stands was probably like 75,000 people. And then the entire football field of the Coliseum was back to back the whole way. So it was probably well over 100,000 people for Metallica who originally had planned and they talked about in the paper the next day, they'd originally planned to play like two hours and 15 minutes. They wound up playing three twenty because they said that they didn't expect that reaction. Cause they said, LA is not a rock town anymore. And they kept coming out like, because people wouldn't leave and they kept coming out and playing. And I think it was Lars Ulrich, their drummer said it was one of the top five concerts they've ever played. They said the reaction from the crowd was unbelievable. It was such a huge crowd and all that. It was incredible start to finish that was like a six hour day in the stands there because there were so many bands i mean kid rock played and this is when he was at the height of his fame was the like it was the two openers and then kid rock and he played like an hour and 15 to an hour and a half corn played two hours and corn nobody even knows anymore but like at the time they were huge they played two hours as the sun was setting it was just a cool visual and the metallica came out and played like 315 and it was i mean just melt your face off great concert Ryan, this has really given everybody a real a real view into your musical tastes in these last couple of I, We went because my best friend, my best, I, I kind of like everything. I like everything. I like rap. I love all of it. But that was to, my, that, I, that was a, I'm not giving you a hard time. No, but that was a birthday present. That <laughs> Those tickets were a birthday present to my best friend who was the biggest Metallica fan on the planet. That's what I got him for his birthday that year. So uh, it was all for him. Nice. Nice. Um, 
Let's see. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I may go back and amend my other one and say Pearl Jam at Red Rocks for my first question. I, I had more time to think about it. Maybe that would be it. Um, for larger name, larger concert, probably be seeing Garth Brooks was one of the better ones that I've I've seen. He played for quite a while. Um, played a lot of obscure songs and stuff like that. That was good for you know smaller act at least at the time. Uh, saw Jason Isbell at a pretty small place here in Cincinnati when he was. Everybody says he's great live. I think it was, I, it, I forget was that it was like first or second solo album, but still was like, you know, it was a, a smaller theater um, downtown here. That was a really good show. I've seen him a few times. So that was, uh, that was a good one as well, just on a, on a smaller scale than a lot of the other ones that we've talked about. So I'll throw that one out there. Uh, I'll have well. to add, um, I, I worked at uh, Deer Creek Music Center here in Noblesville in 94, or summer of 94, uh, selling beer. And I was... Uh, two grateful dead concerts and i had my beer cooler right on the right facing the the grass the the lawn uh and was uh, able to get in and have and listen for free while making some money i made the most tips uh ever it, each night of the grateful dead because no one knew what they were handing me and they really didn't care um i i saw things that i've never seen before or, or since then, I've been offered payment for a beer with all kinds of uh, uh, different products. Uh, picked up some hitchhikers on the way home. Um, it was an incredible, um, in- incredible uh, experience. Grateful Dead. <laughs> I really, I almost had to, I almost had to dig up the uh, AC After Dark music there for for that. That might be its that own show crazy. when we get around to next week, and we're not sure what we want to talk about. It may just be story time with coach about these grateful dead shows. And then we'll, we'll call it a day for sure. I'm sure there are a lot of stories. All right. Next one's from Valerie favorite vacation spot. Uh, she threw out a few here. I will, I will not read through all these. She said she can't pick one because she loves diversity. So she threw out a few Maui, uh, Chicago, Washington coastline, Barcelona, um, you know, different places here. So she had a whole bunch. So, uh, coach, any, uh, any favorite, Favorite vacation spots for you and the uh, the family? I, I've never been to Italy. I'd like to get there. That's a, a you know that's a bucket list for me. Um, and we do a lot of sports traveling for for games and and venues and that in, in our family. Uh, so you name a, a city, we we would like to go. But right now, our destination, where if you could tell me I could go this weekend, it would be Nashville, um, and, and just go Broadway and all the honky tonks and spend a weekend in Nashville, just uh, living life. Um, uh, that that would be uh, the place that we've frequented the most um, currently, uh, but yeah, Italy is my bucket list uh, vacation. All right, Ryan, yeah. favorite, favorite spot for you? Uh, I I love doing Maui the week of the Maui Invitational. I think that's the perfect vacation. Uh, getting a condo, not staying at a hotel, being able to be with family, a bunch of people, and and doing Thanksgiving, but also getting to spend three days covering some of the best basketball in the country is, is perfect to me. If we got to pick, you know, something else, you guys have heard me talk about that a million times. Uh, but I loved St. John in the Caribbean went twice as a kid, uh, went right after I graduated high school. My sister just graduated college and we had the best week, uh, ever. And then of course, Italy. Um, if any of you ever go to Italy, uh, reach out, and uh, my family has that one on lockdown. We know everything you need to go. We know all the restaurants, everything you need to go. Just reach out through the community, and uh, I will give you the book that my mom keeps as a guide to anybody going to Italy. Um, it's it's a magical place, and it's a place you will 
not want to leave uh, because of how wonderful it is. So uh, if uh, sincerely to our listeners, you ever go into Italy, just reach out and, and we will set you up. There you go. All right. Uh, for us, uh, if we want to go to a beach, we really like Topsail, North Carolina, or Topsail, I guess is how everybody says it there, but it looks like Topsail. Uh, so we've done that a few years, pretty not not crowded and place to relax with a book and a, a beer and just kind of hang out by the uh, by the beach. Uh, otherwise, probably other favorite family vacation. Uh, I say this uh, not just because we got to meet up with Ryan on the trip, but a couple few years ago, we did a California trip where we spent a few days in San Francisco few days in San Diego, a few days in uh, LA. I think I did the order of those wrong, but uh, uh, did that. Just had a, a great time. Managed to get it in the summer before the pandem- pandemic and everything. So timing timing was good. Had a great time. We were just talking about that as a family as we were driving back from our other vacation, just kind of how much fun that was and uh, getting to see and do different stuff. So I will, uh, I will throw those out. All right, next. Uh, all right, now we're back to basketball questions. Um, so, John, IU has given a lot of offers, had a lot of guys on campus. What recruits does IU have a re- realistic shot at landing? Uh, any concerns? I think we probably touched on you know that that piece of it earlier. How much does traditional recruiting even matter with the transfer portal? Um, you know, Ryan, any any thoughts on on recruiting that you didn't share before? Whether it's any specific guys that feel like there's a realistic shot? I think we touched on some aspects of this question uh, earlier in the uh, earlier in the show. Yeah, look, I, I do think the traditional recruiting is going to be different with the transfer portal because you're going to see a lot of guys coming as freshmen, were sold a bill of goods, and then didn't they didn't leave live up to their expectations. So I think that 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 certainly is going to happen. I, I don't think that, and, and a lot of people are saying, you know, that they think the transfer portal will calm down, whatever. I think that out will always exist, and I think coaches will be held to having to play guys that maybe aren't ready to play because they don't want to lose them because they think they'll be good in year two or three. Well, they got to play them as freshmen because if they don't, those guys are gone. And, and so I think that's going to be really interesting. I think depth chart is going to start to matter a lot to kids more than it does now because, hey, if I don't get any any run in my first year, I'm going to go look at that spot where there is nobody in front of me and I can go be a starter. So I do think that traditional recruiting as we've seen it for a long time is sort of out the window a bit. Um, as for guys who who I think Indiana can get, uh, I think Jalen Hood, Scafino, I don't know how to, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but we'll call him uh, JHS. Uh, he's a guy they really seem to be on and who really seems to like Indiana. And that one will be interesting to see how that plays out. He's out of Florida um, at, at Montverde uh, Academy, which is a basketball f- factory and it appears that things have really picked up in that one and Indiana's doing pretty well. So that's a guy if you're looking at a top level recruit, he may be the kind of guy that Indiana can go get. You know, it, it's going to be interesting to see do you fill 13 scholarships? Um do you go for that one or two five-star, four-star athlete that you know as Ryan said could come in and play right away that you're not adverse to playing right away? Do you sprinkle in one or two guys where you say, hey, you're coming in, but you're going to sit for two or three years who just loves the university? Do you do those guys get recruited anymore or or do they go somewhere else for a year or two and then say, hey, prove yourself there and then we'll come back and and look at you and in your freshman or after your freshman or sophomore year? There's just so much up in the air with the with the transfer portal. Um, with recruiting overall, I, I am interested in, uh, we'll go JHS. So I don't butcher the name. Um, sounds like he's been playing pretty good. 
the community stuff uh, that was put in um, with the the summer work. It sounds like he might be the next uh, big fish that Indiana's looking at. Um, so it'll be interesting to see um, where, where where he goes. But yeah, I, I just think recruiting is going to be different um, in the next two or three years until this thing has a time to flush its way through a full cycle. Um, and so coaches know. All right. Last question from Valerie. What game is looking good for the assembly call homecoming answer to that is we don't know because we don't have the, uh, the actual schedule out. We usually try to look at that once it's there because, uh, it almost has to be a weekend. Uh, we got to try to avoid, uh, make sure that there's times that coach doesn't have coaching obligations and, uh, some of those kinds of things. So that usually is the, uh, the determining factor as we go through that. So we'll definitely look at that when we know more about the schedule and, uh, all that stuff, but we do not know right, right now. So, all right. Well, that is going to do it for the questions this week. We appreciate those. Some good, uh, some good non-basketball questions to hit as well. A good time for that. A good time of year to hit those. So, uh, appreciate everybody submitting those and, uh, that'll do it for this week's episode of the assembly call. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our assembly call radio recording. Special thanks to Bob Thompson for producing a lot of music that you hear on the show. And thank you for listening. Talk to you again next week or sooner if any news breaks. But until then, take it from me, Freddie Max Wayne Jr. Keep your elbows in, your eyes on the rim, and man, go up and dunk the ball. Go Hoosers. I like everything about that. All right. Fellas, appreciate it. Good seeing everybody. Like I said, some good uh, off-topic questions, good music questions to hit. So, man, the music questions were really, really solid. That's fun. You it's guys can ask us back. non. Yeah, you guys can ask us non-basketball questions anytime. Well, those are fun. Yeah. I've seen uh, Run DMC. I just you saw Run DMC. Yeah, oh, it was called the New York City Fresh Fest in, in, in Illinois, Chicago, when I was hit, just in high school or college. Houdini, the Fat Boys. Uh, Curtis, oh, the Fat Boys too. The Fat Boys. Man. Yeah. Uh, um, Curtis Blow. Uh, oh, was there. yeah. It was fantastic. <laughs> I I retroactively hate you for going to this concert. <laughs> yeah. Uh, by the way, twenty three minutes in, US is up two nothing on Martinique. Daryl DK with two goals. Eric Clapton. I've seen Eric Clapton. Oh, that's that a was good a one. great show. Uh, I saw and Mellon Camp. Mellon Camp in the football stadium, Memorial Stadium, Little Five, nineteen eighty six. Oh wow, that's a good one. Uh, wow. I saw. Let's see. I saw Stone Temple Pilots in San Diego. They're from San Diego. A couple of the guys are from San Diego, and they finished their tour here twice, and it was awesome. Just unbelievable. They actually, at one point, they had an acoustic set, and they they brought one of the guys' parents' living room on stage. Like it was backstage, and they just rolled it out. And it was their entire living room set up, and they just sat on it and played for a while. It was great. Um, that was so. That was a memorable one. Those were in, that was in high school. They used to do a show in downtown San Diego before they put the stadium in and actually like built it up. Uh, downtown San Diego was basically bars and abandoned warehouses for a long time. And so they had all this room, all these streets that led to sort of nothing. And so they did a concert called Street Scene here that was like three, three days. And there were two main stages like in an L, sh- like a, the, the street was basically an L shape. And at the end of each street, they would put a uh, a stage up and there were just, I mean, it was just concerts all day and that was awesome. I think I'm trying, trying to see 
So at one point in a row, it was um, Busta Rhymes uh, live, um, who's incredible live, which so it's not just a clever name. Um, I think I saw Flogging Molly was it was in there, Bad Religion, and then the other side it was like Stone Temple Pilots again because they always came to San Diego. I mean, it was but it was like not only was it those two main stages, but as you're walking along, there was like a beer garden where people were playing. There was you know there was probably at any one time six musical acts playing and it was awesome just so cool did and you ever I, um enjoy summerfest up while you were in milwaukee I, I didn't because i was working in the middle of summerfest every year but i really wanted to and then oh, the, the one fantastic. year yeah and i want to go back and the one year that i did have a chance to go like it was it was the one year that Summerfest was kind of an off year and then the concerts I did want to go to were all sold out quickly so yeah it was I definitely missed out on Summerfest also it's funny I never went to Madison while I lived in Milwaukee either it was 45 minutes yeah. away like I never went Summerfest for those people in the Midwest is well worth it they, they have the main stage like you know you got to have a ticket to get in concert but then they have six or seven different stages and sometimes they bring in some really good name yes. people on those side stages. And then it's similar to what the, I was talking about in San Diego. Right. It's That's what made me similar. think about it. And then the best one like was there's an improv, and improv stage in a tent. Yeah. Where they were and there's just like doing comedians improv. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It was it was fantastic. And you have brats and you have all kinds of beer. And yeah, if you have a chance to go up to that, I recommend anybody go. Everybody raves about it. I've never been, but everybody raves about Summerfest being one of the best concert experiences in the country. Um, yep. And it goes on for like three weeks. Yeah, um, it's crazy. Uh, and it's just, it's good act after good act after good act. And uh, the venues are supposed to be awesome. I also saw, who was a good one I saw in Bloomington? I saw G Love and Special Sauce at um, at Bluebird and they played for like three hours. Uh, they, and, and their opener actually was a girl named Tristan Prettyman who was standing there and said like, yeah, I grew up in Del Mar in California. And my buddy went to the same high school as her. He found out like he was two years ahead of her at the same high school. So that was weird. Uh, who else I see? I saw whatever Jake's axis, whatever that was, that was a concert venue for a minute. We saw better than Ezra there, you know, just a random that, that concert's playing on a Friday. You're like, yeah, why not? Yeah, well, it was good. It's a good one. I like going to small venues for, for concerts like that though. Small venues. Uh, sometimes you find some real stars too that aren't aren't big. That's why I, I like the Nashville scene too. Uh, sometimes you just run into people that are really really good in that small venue. That that vibe is is pretty. I was cool. at a I was at a bar in L.A. and there was this kind of disheveled guy at the bar, and uh, he he didn't look dirty or anything, but he just kind of looked like he wasn't put together well or whatever. And I was like he must know the owner or something because he wouldn't have walked in here looking like that, whatever. He's in like flip-flops or whatever. This is a Friday night on like sunset in LA. You got to be dressed up. You got to look nice. And uh, turns out it was Jack Johnson and he went up on stage and played for a little bit. He was just kind of there hanging out and he did know the <laughs> owner and the owner was like, Jack, go play something. I'll eat your drinks on me. Go play something. He was like, all right. So he went up and sat there for like half Banana an hour. And just, yeah. I mean, he just played some <laughs> songs. I was like, I knew he was somebody there's no way you get in here looking like that uh what about you andy any any other good ones I'm trying to think i i saw melon camp was there for little five when i was there it was at assembly hall actually uh oh it was and tim tim garl was a, a handful of rows down he was um he was rocking out to to the coog 
Um, let's see. I'm trying to see. I'm trying to think what others. I, I'm trying to think what else I would have went to in Bloomington. I saw Bob Dylan while I was in Bloomington at the whoa IU, at the whoa, IU Auditorium. Whoa. Uh, well, okay. Awesome. What What did you guys see at the auditorium while you were in school? Sam Kinison. That's a good. That's a great one. Actually, I'm surprised uh, the university I, let him. I, I believe I saw Bill Cosby, play. which is not uh, not not as great. What? Oh, that does oh, not hold up. No, that did not. Uh, I that, saw. Uh, did not stand the test of time. Homecoming, homecoming in 03, my first year on campus. Jerry Seinfeld was there, and he was at the football game too. Wow. And then he came out, and he he basically his first thing was ripping on IU's football team, which is like you guys you guys are good at other things. It's okay. <laughs> and uh who else did i see there i saw uh incubus the girl i was dating really wanted to see incubus really badly and i was like all right thank you uh and then i saw les miserables there which is a great play if anybody oh, has that's quite it. a that's yeah. quite the trifecta of uh <laughs> i know it's of the arts that you were able to else. take oh i saw i saw ben folds five too that's that's about that was about it but yeah, that's quite a, quite a quite a mix up. Yeah, absolutely. A mashup. All right, cool. All right, I'm gonna uh, we'll, we can save some of this for for next time. But I need to wrap up so I can get this sent. Tell my kids good night. Uh, do all that good stuff. And it's ten thirty. So yeah. Oh well, cool. All right, excellent, all right, uh, excellent conversation. Appreciate uh, everybody joining us on a mid July uh, evening, and uh, we will talk to everybody next week. See Later, you guys. guys. Thanks. This Halloween. No, that's impossible. <laughs> don't get caught. Did you check the basement or the bedroom? Without the perfect thing. <laughs> They're both out. To treat every taste. Well, that's it. We're out of Fanta. No! This Halloween, don't live with the horror of being without Fanta. Get yours today. At California's Great America, it's never too early to start thinking about next year's fun. That's why we're offering the lowest price of the year on a 2022 Gold Pass right now. That includes unlimited visits this year, so you can enjoy the Great Pumpkin Fest, Haunt, and Winterfest. Then unlimited visits next year to try new foods, enjoy festivals like Taste of Orleans, scream on our world-class coasters, and splash away at South Bay Shores Water Park, all for just $82 plus applicable taxes and fees. Hurry, offer ends October 31st, so get your Gold Pass now at cagreatamerica.com. It's amazing! in here look around you can find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait Auto Trader.